0: But it's going to just get better and better and better. Amen. Have you already been blessed? Amen. It's going to continue to get better. Hey, To have uh, Brother Herman Kramer, a full-time evangelist. Many of you know him, but some of you are new and you've never heard Brother Herman before. Uh, Brother Herman's been in evangelism 38 years, traveling on the road. He was figuring uh, this last uh, couple of weeks ago, uh, during the month of May, he will have 5,200 and some odd miles uh, during the month of May uh, for all over the state of Texas and Colorado and Oklahoma and different places. But uh, we love him dearly here. There's not a man of God anywhere traveling, preaching the gospel that I hold any more than Brother Herman Kramer. And it's also great to have Judelle with us. 54 years they've been married together and uh, what a blessing they are to us. Brother Herman, you come and just share the word of God. God bless you.
1: Thank you, Brother Charles. Such an honor and a blessing to be back in this place. And I truly mean that sincerely with all of my heart. Brother Charles always brings me in when there's a great, great big challenge to be done. And he said, the only reason I do that is that people realize that if God can use you, he can use anybody. And so uh, that's why I stand before you today, just to simply show you today that God, if God can use me, God can certainly use you. I'm excited about what God is doing in this place. I told the men the other morning, I don't say a lot about my own life. I will probably tell you more this morning, then I've even told Brother Charles, and as close as our relationship is, but I told the men the other morning at the, at the breakfast, I said, you know, the one thing that I, I really enjoy doing is investing in God's work. And everywhere Brother Charles has been, uh, we have always, as a family, been excited about investing in what God was doing. I don't do it because of Brother Charles. I do it because I love the Lord. Amen. And so it's been a joy to invest in this building that you're sitting in right here. It's going to be great to invest in the new children building that you're getting ready to build for the kids. But it's not only here. It's many, many other places that I go. I love to plant seed in God's work. Amen. And, and that's exciting, and so we're excited about being here and what God is going to do right here. I told the men the other day, and I'm not trying to rehearse everything that I said, but I said to the men the other morning, I said, y'all are so fortunate to have the tremendous staff that you have at this church. I know my oldest daughter, every Sunday morning, she teaches a children's Sunday school class at our church, and then goes to worship, but every Sunday morning, as soon as she gets home, the first thing she does is to look on Facebook to see what song y'all sung that Sunday morning. <laughs> she loves y'all's music. And, and so uh, this is a great, great place. You have a wonderful staff. One of the great blessings you have is when Christy came aboard, I started working with the children. I told them the other morning I had never met her But I just read everything that she posts and what a tremendous job that she has done. Not only she, but uh, Case and, and Aaron, what can you say about the staff that you have? But not only do you have a great staff in the leadership of those that do so much, you have a great pastor. And so I'm honored that he is not only your pastor... That's the only clapping you're going to get this morning. But he's not only (laughs) your pastor, but he's the closest friend that I have. I really mean that. My wife continues to tell me that he's the only friend that I have. But anyway, uh, I certainly enjoy Brother Charles. Uh, uh, You know, I could go on and on this morning uh, telling you of occurrences that have happened in our life. Uh, together, I've called. He calls me every every Wednesday night. I, this guy never sleeps, you know, and 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 so I'll be driving home, and it'll be twelve, one o'clock in the morning. And he calls me on the phone, you know, and 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 boy, we've had these conversations, and there's been times that I've been discouraged, and your pastor has always uh, uh, been an encouragement and lifted me up and encouraged me in all that we do. You know, I learned a long, long time ago, it's not about me, it's all about God, amen? And just a few weeks, I guess just a couple of weeks ago, because I had already been invited to speak, uh, I I saw one of Christy's posts where she used the passage from the book of Philippians. You remember that? And she used this passage in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, we all know it by heart, where he says, Paul says, but my God, my God, shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I think that that's, that's a tremendous, tremendous scripture. But I believe that sometimes that is the scripture that sometimes is misrepresented in so many people's lives. You see, Paul is writing that from a personal experience. And if you've never had a personal experience on how God has met your needs, you'll not be able to share with others how God can meet their needs. Amen. And in the passage of Scripture, you have to take it in context with verse 14 leading up to that. And Paul has a lot to say in those verses. And I just want to just share with you just some simple things that led up to that passage that Paul shared in that passage of Scripture. And then I want to apply it into our life. Paul said, first of all, he said, I want you to know faithful giving is the very first step of your Christian life. Here was a young church. Here was a church family that had not been in existence but just a few months, and you find where Paul is commending them for the gift that they had sent unto him. So that tells me that at the very foundation of that church's life they were taught the importance of giving. And I think that's important because if you go back into the book of Acts, many times you find in that early, early church, what does it say in Acts chapter 4 where it says that they went and they sold their possessions and they brought them and laid them at the apostles' feet and distributed was made to every man according as he has need. And I believe that the very first step in a Christian's life is the step of learning how to be a faithful giver. I know that in my life, and I never speak about it, I used to say a lot about it, but I found that there's a lot of Christians that are jealous Christians, and you begin to talk about what God does for you, then they resent it because God's not doing it in their life, and they're not mature enough to realize that maybe, maybe, could be, The reason God is not so real in their life is because they're not faithful to God. I remember in that little country church at the age of 28 years old, just being saved a few months. And I remember in that country church and we were farming a little over 3,000 acres of land. We had five tractors we had five men that was working full-time for us we lived in a nice home we had a roping arena in our backyard we had a cattle truck that was going to run into California hauling cattle out of the valley to California and I remember in that Sunday morning service when God got a hold of my heart and I remember that Sunday morning service when I walked down the aisle and I took the preacher by the hand and I said, preacher, I believe that God is calling me to preach. And I said, I believe that God wants me to give up everything that I have in order to go and to proclaim the gospel. Now we were in a little country church that ran less than, maybe high attendance was 27. And maybe we reached 30 every now and then. I remember the preacher said, well, you tell him. I'm not going to say a word. And I got up at the end of the service, and I shared with the congregation what I felt that God wanted me to do. We got in the car, and we went home. All the way home, my wife never said a word. She got to home, and she got into the kitchen and began to fix the lunch, and when we sat down to eat lunch, she still hadn't said anything, and I looked at her, and I said, what do you think about the decision I felt like that God wanted me to make? And I'll never forget. She began to cry, and she looked across the table she said I followed you for 10 years in pure hell and said wherever God leads you I'll follow I didn't own all of that everything that I farmed was crop rented I had great indebtedness and equipment that I had but I knew that God wanted me to do what God wanted me to do and I had to lay it down And ever since that moment in my life, I learned that you cannot throw nothing down, that God doesn't give something better back. And I stand before you today to simply say this, that not only do we have a great pastorate, and I thank God I couldn't understand why God led us to the pastorate. But now look at it in hindsight because God wanted me to give, have a pastor's heart so that when I went into a church that I didn't go in in order to see what I could get out of a church but that I could go into a church for what I could put into a church. And after 37 years in evangelism, I stand before you today as Brother Charles said a moment ago that in the month of May we'll travel 5,234 miles. And the only reason I did that was because I was in a church that didn't have anything to do during the daytime, and so therefore I figured out how many miles that I would travel in the month of May. <laughs> but yet consistently year after year, 35 and 40 revivals a year, not because of who I am, but because of who God is. I learned at the very beginning that if I would be faithful in my giving, that God was truly, would be faithful to his children. This early church had learned how to give. I remember when I first went into evangelism. This is one of those stories that I used to tell and people would resent it. night didn't tell it anymore but I remember I was leaving on a Saturday morning and I don't know where I was going it's been so long ago I was already packed and I had the trailer hooked up ready to go and one of the members of our church called and he said Brother Herman he said, could I just come and visit with you for a little bit and instantly through my mind my thought was man I don't want to do this I'm not the pastor of the church. I don't want to deal with problems. I don't want to deal with difficulties. I just want to go. But instead, I said, yes, sir. I said, I can give you a few minutes. He said, it won't take long. I'll just come in front of your house, and you come out, and he said, we'll go drink a Coke together and bring you back, and you'll be on your way. And I said, fine. And he picked me up in front of my house. And we started down the street, and he began to cry. And he said, Brother Herman, it's not just my problem. He said, it's mine and my wife's problem. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, dear Lord, why, God? Why do you put me in situations like this? And through his tears, he said this. He said, God told us over a month ago to provide you a brand new pickup And said, We've wrestled with it and we haven't done it. But said, In the middle of the night last night, God woke me up and I woke my wife up and I said, We got to do it tomorrow. And he said, I've made arrangements at the Ford place to provide you with a brand new pickup, the best of the line, not just the vanilla, but the top of the line. And said, It's already paid for. You just pick out the color. I had never had anything like that happen before. We drove the pickup until we nearly wore it out. We were in Houston. A member of the church that I used to pastor was uh, in Houston. They had a home in Houston as well as where they used to live. They called us up. They knew we were on vacation. They invited us over to their house for a meal. We sat down with them at a meal. And before we left, they told us, said, Brother said God's told us to give you a vehicle. And said, we want to buy you a pickup. So I stand before you to say that, God's provided, God has given. But I've never asked, I've never sold anything at a revival. I've never had a merchandise table. I've never written a letter to anyone. All of you that have been on our newsletter list from the very beginning, the first time that I came, realize that you've never gotten anything. God's our provider. God has been faithful. But we strive to be faithful to Him. You see, in this passage of Scripture from that beginning verse to that verse that I read you a moment ago, he not only spoke about how that they gave unto him, but he gave the reason of why they gave. He said, you met my necessities. What was his necessity? What was he doing? He was preaching the gospel. And I believe that's the most important thing that a person can invest in, is the gospel. Of the Lord Jesus Christ I believe that that is the very essence of why this building is being built that is not being built in recognition of who we are in order to have a bigger building so that we may impress other people but that building is being built in order that it will share the gospel with those children that's what they were supporting that's what they were giving to they were not given to Paul. They were given to the gospel because he was spreading the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then another thing, and I'm just trying to hurriedly to say that in that passage of scripture, if you read it closely, what did Paul say? He said, "I don't desire your gift." He said, "I don't want your 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 money." He said, "But here's what I want. I want fruit." To your account. He said, I, I, I he said, when you give, he said, here's what you're doing. You're investing in eternity. You're laying treasures, not upon earth where moss and rust and dust corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but you're laying your treasures in heaven. He said, That's why I want you to give. You see, my friend, I want to tell you. When you And when I give to building in eternity, on eternity, you know what we're doing? We're not only invested in the gospel, we're not only invested in children's lives, but we're laying up treasures in heaven. You see, one day that's all going that's all that's going to be matter in any of our lives well we can try to hold on to it here but my friend the truth a hundred years from today the only thing that will matter is what we invested in the kingdom And then notice what he said lastly. He said, not only have you given because you were established in giving, and not only did you give to further the gospel, not only did you give in order to invest in eternity, but he said, your giving was motivated by worship. Notice what he said in that verse. He talked about a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing unto God. He said, when you gave, you were worshiping god he said i want you to know god was pleased with your giving wow so paul comes to the conclusion to say my god my god how do i know because he has done it in my life He said, I want you to know that my God shall supply all your needs. And notice what he says. According to his riches. He didn't say out of his riches. He said to his riches. My friend, his riches is unlimited. What is it that God can't do? I constantly remind myself. If God so loved me that he gave his son to die so that I could have life and life eternal, how much more does God not care to take care of my needs? Wow. Paul says, I want you to know God is real. He said, you know how I know? because he's real in me and I stand before you today to simply say you can't outgive God my friend you cannot invest in a better investment than the gospel of the Lord Jesus for you will be land treasure in eternity. And every time you give, it's a sweet-smelling flavor to your Heavenly Father. I remember when Brother Charles invited me to come to Ridgewood. They had a tremendous challenge on their hand. They they had built a brand-new 600-seat auditorium but the problem was simply this. They had the building, but they didn't have no parking. They were living in a residential neighborhood, and people were coming in, streaming in and out. And the neighborhood, they, they, they were upset about it. And, and so in reality, the church just needed to relocate it, relocate. And that was a big challenge because much like Woodland Hills, when Brother Charles went there, uh, Ridgewood was just a small, small church. You've heard the story, Brother Charles told you that many times. And now here it was a challenge of having to relocate and build complete new facilities. Brother Charles invited me to come and speak, and on a couple of occasions. And back then he didn't know the big guys, you know. Uh, Herb Revis and Malcolm (laughs) Ellis and all the big guys and he was using the biggest guy he knew at that time which was me but I'll never forget that we were in a campaign there that night and there was a man by the name of James Henry. I know brother James had been here visiting before and uh, brother James Henry held up his hand and he said brother Charles can and it's just like it was yesterday. He said, can I say a word? And Brother Charles said, sure, and invited him to come. And he got up before the crowd, and he said this. He said, tears ran down his cheeks. And he says, folks, all of you know me. He said, I've been here in this church from the beginning. But he says, you know, uh, I have a good job, done well. And he said, we set our retirement back and back and kept setting it back so that when we retire, we would have a a good substantial amount to live on. But he says, God has gotten a hold of my wife and my heart to give all of our retirement to the building fund. And he says, I stand before you tonight to simply say that we commit not a part, not a half, but all of our retirement to what God, wants to do I've never forgotten that I sit there and I wept and I thought here's a man that has worked all of these years planning for someday but he came to realize that it wasn't about someday it was about now the second thing that I close with. When I came to Woodland Hills, there are several of you that have meant so much to me. I look around this congregation, Sheila, and those I remember painting over there in Brother Charles's first home. But there were several of you that I came in contact with that has meant so much to me that some of you I've tried to tell you, but I'm not very good at stuff like that, but but one of the people, I I remember Brother Randall, I I still admire how God has blessed him and how God is using him, but one of the men that I met that had became so close to me was Brother Corky, (laughs) and it really hit me whenever he passed away, and I always loved the fellowship that I had with Brother Corky. We came together because of Hughes Springs and, and because of Wolf City. He was from Wolf City. And, and then, of course, his connection with Hughes Springs, and we had preached there every year. And so that was our connection at the beginning, but as it grew, our connection was to hear Roy about your pastor, talk about your pastor, see how that we could needle your pastor. And Brother Corky and I was good at that. But i never forget one day I was sitting with Brother Corky at his table and Brother Corky looked at me and he said, Brother Herman, he said, I want to tell you. He said, I've been at Woodland from the beginning. And he said, there's been times that I didn't agree with everything. But he says, Brother Herman, through the years I've noticed how God's hand is upon Woodland Hills. And with tears in his eyes, he said, Brother Herman, I want to tell you, I can't fight against what God has ordained. You see, God has been good to this church. God has blessed this church. And you have a decision to make. We can become satisfied of where we are or that we can accept the challenge to go on to where God wants us to go. And I believe there's no better investment today than the investment in those kids' lives. They'll live on for eternity. Long after you and I are gone, But some of those children that will worship in that building, that little girl that held up that sign and Charles leaned to me, I told him, I said, I'd put her pitch on everything I advertised. But that little girl said, I'm saved. You know, my friend, I want to tell you something. Long after I'm dead and gone, that little girl one day will get married. That little girl will have children. And she'll be able to plant in the lives of her children the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because of the gospel that she found at Woodland Hills. So my question, what will you give? I'll leave today, but you'll be asked and asked and asked to give, to give, to give. And I just want to close the message by saying this, that if you'll be faithful to God, God will always be faithful to you. And I pray that you in your life will one day be able to stand and say, and I know many of you can, but that you'll be able to stand before others and say, my God, my God shall supply why? Because you have learned how he is supplied for you. Maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian. My friend, you can give all the money you want to the building fund, but I want to tell you something. It's not going to go to no heavenly account. Because God is a personal God. And you must know him through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But in what we couldn't do, God did when he gave his only begotten son. And there may be some here today that have never accepted him in your life. And I want to invite you to do that. I don't want you to miss out on the greatness of God and what God can do in your life. People ask me all the time, they say, Brother Herman, how long are you going to preach? I guess they think I'm getting too old. (laughs) But folks, I want to tell you, I can't help but to preach and to go. You see, my friend, we don't invest in ourselves; we invest in Him. If you're here today and you don't know Him, I want to invite you to know Him. Maybe you're here today, and listen, you attend here, you worship here, you love it here, and you give here, but you've never joined here. Folks, don't you want to be a part of what God's doing here? This church needs you. But you need this church. And I want to invite you to come and be a part. Maybe you just want to come and rededicate your life. So whatever it may be, would you just give it all to him today? It'll change your life. It changed my life the day I gave it all to him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your.